0: five seconds, you will experience Anarchy. Introducing new Axe Anarchy for women. Be careful what you reach.
1: From Sean Combs Enterprises comes a new 24-7 channel set to launch an assault on television. Introducing Revolt. Music is taking TV
2: back. Fight the power back. The tv
3: uh-huh. I wanna know what these strangers are doing here During our time of bereavement Pop Brown was my daddy Oh, you have My daddy wasn't a rolling stone Your daddy was a pimp oh, oh, right, to... So you mean to tell me you our sister Capt. we the president of the United States on the VidCon
4: The last you heard, I was Speaker of the House. The President died two months ago. The Vice President a week later. Russia no longer has a functioning government.
0: Most of our population is dying or dead. Javier Costa has kept a tight control on supply. If this trade goes through, we're looking at a full-scale game. We're gonna squeeze their soldiers harder than ever. A
2: was shot three days ago. I heard you recognize the shooter. You're gonna give me his name. Or what? Are we go Gangnam Style? What? He's gonna
1: need a few minutes. Anything on the shooter? Carlos Acosta. We're like a power couple. We're like Rihanna and Chris Brown. You're a good dancer. Sometimes you're meaner than I'd like you to be. Drunk stagger, drunk swagger. I don't rap, I don't matter. So let me
3: ask you this. What is happening in Hollywood?
2: Hello and welcome to On Resistance. This is Bobby speaking. Today we'll be discussing Hollywood Industrial Complex. So let's get right into it. Um, what is the Hollywood industrial complex?
0: This is J Ray. I think that the Hollywood Industrial Complex is the industry of producing film for consumption. And that includes, I think, all the workers, but also how the industry relates to other institutions, such as the military and of systemic oppression, such as racism, white supremacy, heteropatriarchy and ableism, because a lot of the commentary and dialogue in these films, a lot of the portrayals of people scripted into these films that the workers have to fill causes them to compromise their own identities to kind of fit the script of representation that just perpetuates oppression.
2: Yeah, the Hollywood Industrial Complex kind of like a play on the military industrial complex or all these different complexes that we have that exist in America. X, you next.
4: Oh, yeah. Hi, this is X. I would agree with that. I feel like the Hollywood Industrial Complex is part of a larger industry industrial complex like the media. I think the media industrial complex is part of of Hollywood. We're focusing on Hollywood because Hollywood has a lot to do with how we keep replicating certain beliefs, certain truths, hegemony. When it comes to oppressive dynamics, Hollywood tends to replicate that. Even in the most radical or wanting to be anti-oppressive displays or portrays of human nature and human behavior, you still have to replicate oppressive dynamics. Unless it's so far removed, like sci-fi, future kind of dynamics, then that might be possible. But still, it's an industry that is connected to, like Jayra said, all these institutions that are highly problematic and only serving and privileging a certain people over oppressed others.
1: This is Anton. We kind of use the word prison industrial complex or military industrial complex to just sort of describe the various business relationships that the the people in power sort of have with each other in order to make more money and perpetuate the sort of status quo, that image that they want. Ninety percent of the shows that I've watched in the last two months have featured a main character who's a member of the police or the military. We have all these movies where... The military or the police are portrayed in this heroic light in very few movies where that is the opposite. So in order for those sorts of relationships to develop, these sort of industrial complex take form. They're putting all this propaganda, and the long-term psychological effects on us from consuming that media have not really been extrapolated on.
2: When I think of uh, the Hollywood Industrial Complex... Specifically us being here in L.A., I just think of how much it controls the city from everything from the people who are either cleaning for the people um, who work in the industry, providing food for the people in the industry, clothes, lifestyle, like social. um, Pretty much L.A. is pretty much controlled by Hollywood. And then also when you think about who the gentrifying class is, it is people coming from different parts of the country or different parts of the world trying to make it into Hollywood. And so that kind of industrial complex exists here.
0: Like the fruits of the Hollywood industrial complex are these films or these representations and a lot of people just view that as entertainment and a lot of people really are drawn, I think, towards entertainment because of our day-to-day grind because of capitalism because of so much oppression people seek out entertainment and some sort of like comfort or some sort of less critical way to consume media but a lot of the times it's how much of this entertainment isn't produced for entertainment purposes it's produced for capitalist purposes for people to profit off of when people come from other parts of the world what they see in their head is a glamorized Los Angeles And when you get here, there's capitalism here, there's poverty here, and the portrayal of these glamorized movies tend to always have some sort of strong white male protagonist and a supporting cast that is always enabling and empowering the strong white male protagonist that, as Anton mentioned there are a lot of films that tend to circulate around violence and around police and military or the rogue white male vigilante that is absolutely justified in enacting terror on non-white communities. Like, this is a repeated narrative in Hollywood. And so when people come here, they come here to fill those roles in, in the Hollywood Industrial Complex, forgetting that they're also filling those roles, like, on the street interpersonally in communities where people actually are living. Yeah, a lot of times the L.A.'s, our poverty ends up being the backdrop
2: for these future films or shows. So, what's in your show? Gang, was it called Gang? Gang related. Gang related. Mm-hmm. Which was actually being shot in Echo Park during when the gang injection the whole thing was being facilitated.
4: Should we talk about that? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when people were organizing against the gang injunctions before they were implemented, they started uh, filming this show in the neighborhood. They didn't talk to the residents of the neighborhood beforehand. They just did like Hollywood does and decided to run out the street and temporarily displace every single person that lives on the street from parking there. So people like us were upset, the people who were organizing against gang injunctions. So we went there and we just walked on set and we disrupted it from happening, calling out the producers as well as the RZA um, and let him know that you are actually using this as a prop in the background. We're tired of the city and Hollywood and the police taking advantage of and exploiting this community's circumstances and economic positions.
0: I would just add that when we talked to the actors on set who Mm. were using this community that is experiencing targeting by the police as a backdrop to justify police interaction, the actors were kind of confused. One of them actually said, oh, you're upset about the media, but we're not the media. Wrong. As if actors, (laughs) you know, that because they're playing like a television show or a movie that they're not the media, and I feel like the Hollywood Industrial Complex does a really good job of making the workers, the actors, and the actors that work, feel like they're not participating in oppression. They're just filling roles, and you can't really remove that. Like, if you're playing a cop, there's some sort of power dynamic that goes into you playing that cop as a role and in a community.
4: Doesn't
1: sound very Wu-Tang.
4: We had a very upsetting conversation with him. Uh, We were just talking about being, He was like, "What? Are, who are you? And we were like, we're anti-capitalists. And then he it's was like, yeah, just I like, understand anti-capitalism. Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a anti-capitalist too, but I tell my son every day, you got to capitalize. And we were like, no, like really? Like you what got to a... to take those. <laughs> this is the thing though. The this Wu-Tang is the Clan. Even the Wu-Tang Clan, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. People see it on television and it's so glamorized. That people want to ascribe to that glamour or they see the affluence and they see the coolness and they see the sexiness and they want to ascribe to that. They want to be that and they will do everything in their power to do that. It's so many things when it comes to racism, dysphoria. You have people that are literally killing themselves to be this skinny or literally killing themselves to be this white. And it's really sad that the media has that power over people's psyches. Or
1: like how the principles that the Wu-Tang Clan purports to represent using media doesn't necessarily reflect the principles that they live and practice. I think that's interesting. I mean, all of this is perpetuated through the use of real time white supremacy, real time racism, sexism in the workplace. That happens within, for example, I am a background actor. That is one of the roles that needs to be filled in Hollywood. As I participate in background acting, I meet a lot of people who are racist or sexist within the industry that is producing products that people then defend on the internet as being not racist, not sexist. As someone who lives in L.A., I can tell people listening to this show that everything in L.A. is fake. Because Hollywood takes up such a huge part of our society here, you know, on what you see on TV is not real, you know. and I think that's such an important thing to teach people is that what you see on the screen is not actual reality. It doesn't reflect the way anything gets done actually in real life. Whatever status quo image that they're perpetuating, that's what they're going to be showing you. They're not going to be showing you the truth.
2: I feel that there is this sort of, these like, sort of LA that you get from, you know, the gentrifying class, from people who are coming to be a part of like whatever, whatever fakeness they see on TV. And there's that idea of LA and that's the Mercedes convertible and that's the Chanel sunglasses and that's that. But then there's this whole other LA and that to me is the real LA. And I feel like that is the part that is being taken away by gentrification. That's what's being redeveloped. And to be made into these fake-looking things, like when you think of downtown L.A. and all these new luxury apartments that are being built. What are they called, the ones that are on Figueroa? Medici. There's like the Medici, the
0: San Vicente or something. There's like this series of luxury apartment homes. Yeah,
2: to me that's the fake L.A. And what was there before was real. And what has been created is to make it look like art's wealth.
0: The idea of L.A. unfortunately being redeveloped in the image of how Hollywood has projected L.A., that's a very real thing. I think also you made a good point Scary. about Chanel and Mercedes the film industry gets money and funding through product placement and through creating visual use and glamorization of capitalist products so that other people will then adopt and think that they need those products so a lot of this media manipulates our emotions capitalizes off of our insecurities capitalizes off of our fears and our urge to connect that is like i think more and more being desensitized by social media where we're less likely to interact with each other and more likely to replicate all the media that we're just being flooded with. As I was growing up, I think the media complex was kind of solidifying, and we don't really know right now the effects of it. They came out with reports on subliminal messaging, and then all of a sudden we stopped hearing about subliminal messaging. So that doesn't tell me that it's not being used, it tells me it's being perfected and it's not being talked about. So we really should look at the effects, the representation of, of assimilation and capitalism in the film industry, and how it has created an industry around shaping our desires and taking away our autonomy to figure out what our desires are ourselves. X.
4: I believe that what we're talking about is the reason why Hollywood is an industrial complex. It's because it helps to perpetuate certain ideologies like nationalism and statism unquestionably. Um, So people aren't really critically aware of the things that are being shown and it keeps being reproduced at such an alarming rate that it just becomes a kind of truth that is unquestioned and and also it's something that it is purely for profit they profit by way of utilizing these nationalist tendencies, this misrepresentation, it's all for profit. I used to participate in Hollywood and I definitely was fed the lie that I wanted to be rich and famous and it was so I could help my best intentions, help people who I knew who were struggling and everything. But I feel like there's layers and levels of exploitation that people go through while opting into that. For example, I had a quote unquote legitimate agency or whatever. And in order to be a legitimate agency, You're supposed to go on all the auditions for print work and commercials and modeling and all that crap, but they say that it's not a legitimate agency if they're asking for money. If they're asking for money up front, that's totally a scam. If they're asking for you to take pictures using their certain photographers, that's a scam. But it's like, when you think about scam, who's being scammed really? If I'm in a magazine for Versace or whatever, I'm not getting nearly as much that Versace actually makes to use my image for them to make money that is still scamming somebody that's still exploitation of the proletariat they're using people's images to make profit off of them and also when it comes to Fashion, which is also connected to the Hollywood industrial complex, because like Jai Wei said, they place these products into these movies and these shows very strategically to get people to buy them. I say fashion also doesn't give a crap about its models or the people that being used as images, as props to sell their things. Because year after year, models get skinnier and skinnier because they use less fabric on these models. When they're going down the runway, they want to use less fabric. Yeah, they don't care about you. They just care about the profit. It makes them more profit by using less fabric.
2: So when we think of the Hollywood Industrial Complex and what it sounds like a lot we're talking about is how this is used as propaganda for the people. How does this perpetuate the state's interests?
0: J-Ray? So I was doing some research for this show, and I thought I was gonna have to dig a little harder, but it's they're they're pretty open and blatant about how the state gets its agenda reflected by the media produced by Hollywood. Apparently, Hollywood has a liaison office with every single major law enforcement or governmental agency, from the CIA to the Department of Homeland Security to the FBI to the Pentagon. The FBI created its entertainment office in the 1930s because it was interested in how warriors and Spies were portrayed in a certain light. Um, Chase Brandon was an undercover CIA agent for a quarter century, and he started the CIA's Hollywood office nine years ago. There's also a NASA liaison office that was started in 1997. One of the industry liaisons with Hollywood worked on movies like Space Cowboys, Armageddon, and the IMAX version of Apollo 13, starring Tom Hanks. And what they do is they get scripts funneled to these liaison offices between these law enforcement agencies, and they go through the scripts, and they make sure to change certain lines and certain character descriptions to reflect what the administration, what the state wants what the state's agenda is as a military occupying force to make sure that it creates and sets perceptions and trends in films that reinforce and justify their power. We can think about theoretically how the state profits off of representation in the media, but there's also very clear agencies that have been set up to make sure that Hollywood doesn't stray too far from reinforcing the agenda of the government.
2: This probably has a lot to do with why most of the shows on TV right now are somewhat related to either a cop drama or some sort of bureaucratic Uh, state agency.
4: And how most of the movies after 9-11, when there were all of these war movies that came out, there's like 20 of them within the year of 2001. Most of them all were funded by the military. Certain corporations, like the Rand Corporation, for example, I think I've mentioned before, they use their technology, and their funding to create create for war profiteering. So it's relative to the military-industrial complex that makes money. I wanted to kind of touch up on just co-optation as well. We were talking a little bit about Wu-Tang a little bit and how hip-hop has taken a very interesting route from it being about struggling as Black people living in the hood and often having no other choice but to maybe opt into the military-industrial complex or becoming police themselves, living in constructed poverty. Going from that to corporate hip-hop where it's bling and diamonds and crowns and being the king and being up and up and so much sexism and so much wanting to ascribe to affluence and putting down people who aren't who aren't affluent, people putting down people who don't have the newest bins or just bragging and boasting about material possessions. I think that's completely constructed by by corporate interests and corporate industries that are wanting to sell certain things to working class people, to people living below the poverty line, to perpetuate that mass consumerism
0: There's a reason why we're not seeing films about anti-racism or about cooperative communities that are trying to exist outside of state or police violence. There's a reason why capitalism seems to control the imagination and control what media we consume. I think there are many examples of films that are problematic we'll touch on, but I'm just going to touch briefly on um, a popular classic, Iron Man represented torture scenes of supposedly al-Qaeda-type stand-ins that he gets captured by. And the stuff that's being portrayed in the film is stuff that the American military has done and is doing and did to displace like the entire country of Iraq and destroy Afghanistan. So you look at the history of Iron Man, even when it was the comic book, and this is stuff I'm learning now, and this is why I appreciate doing this radio project, because it causes me to do more research. When the comic book came out, in 1978 iron man was being used as war propaganda against vietnam and basically the the big bad evil forces and the iron man was fighting back then were portrayed as homogeneously Asian. So we can clearly see racism used perpetuate war propaganda. The movie's being criticized by anti-war critics. Iron Man comes back and has a change of heart and says, well, you know, I don't want to build mass weaponry anymore. But then he proceeds to build this super suit and then go back into countries that are portrayed to be problematic territories that really just like challenge U.S. capitalism by having their own regions. And continue murdering people with this weapon and then giving passes to the U.S. military. The quote-unquote enemies of choice are always portrayed to reflect the needs of the American military to scapegoat and criminalize and demonize a foreign other. And the movie, the film, the comic book will just adapt and people just consume it as entertainment. But it's not. It reflects racism and war.
2: So we see that the state perpetuates and represents what it wants us to see in regards to cops or the military-industrial complex, but how does it also reinforce systems of oppression and stereotypes?
4: When I think about movies in general, since we're talking about Hollywood, I think about zombie films and how zombie films, because I used to really, really like zombie films, but once, you know, thinking about it critically, well, this seems like a very... This movie feeds off of that class war propaganda, and it makes you scared of all the people that are, you know, ah, angry and fighting for their, their rights. I feel like it's symbolism for people who aren't really wanting to ascribe to civilization as it is, and they're angry about it, and it's like, you know how... People use the term uh, eat the rich because what else is there going to be to eat once all the natural resources are used up? I feel like it's just kind of meant to scare, you know, high class people or even there are racial implications involved in it. It's meant to scare white people. I feel like it kind of feeds off of those already existing racial and biased kind of tensions that exist. I wanted to talk a little bit about appropriation and how often at times when something is so, like we said, hegemony and truth, things are so replicated, the love of the police within the media or certain individual, certain social groups of people doing a certain kind of thing that there are these assumptions that people have that keeps being replicated by the media. There's so many things because Hollywood doesn't only play off of racial stereotypes, but also cultural issues of rape culture. Hollywood doesn't talk about consent. You see a movie, you immediately assume that all women want this, or you immediately assume it's okay to just, you know, lunge and kiss somebody when they didn't consent to that. That's wrong. These things are taught to, to people by way of film. And yeah, I totally grew up in the 90s and like li- watch all of 90s media but I'm starting to see the devastating effects of of these images and these, these oppressive dynamics that keep being replicated.
0: Although we want more representation for non-white communities and more representation not just the white male as the protagonist we want more representation period but that isn't in the story because I feel like What happens is the representation gets simplified and then you have actors who are workers that are called in to fit a script and recite certain lines, recite certain stereotypes, and if they have a personal disagreement with that stereotype or they're like, you know, this isn't actually true to my experience and this isn't reflective of... Expendable. ...where we want to go, then (laughs) there's no room to say that. And I think that the oppression is reinforced through people having to resign their autonomy over to fill these roles and not be able to break from the production of stereotypes through the media to maybe even create these roles there's no room to especially if you look at the production of humor in films a lot of the humor is racist sexist ableist transphobic it's terrible the humor is terrible it's not funny i don't know who thinks it's funny um actually I do like a lot of white mm-hmm, males mm-hmm. will laugh you know and stuff like that or people are uncomfortable by hearing it and so then they'll laugh because we don't know how to deal with constantly being confronted with representations of oppression and also like national tragedies will unfold current events end up being recuperated and co-opted and adapted into film so a tragedy will occur a current event will happen and then there'll be some sort of dialogue about it on the internet and then there'll be some sort of deeper critique and analysis and then the movie will come in and then kind of have the, play the deciding role In how that event or that struggle is going to be represented. The media gets to kind of censor and filter how we critique oppression. Also, if you look at Law & Order SVU and representations of rape culture in films, I don't really think it helps anybody to continuously represent rape as inevitable and to continuously represent rape as something the police are doing something about or something the police can adequately punish by putting people in prison, which is also rape culture. We know the police are capable of sexual violence, gendered violence. We know that gendered violence is a tactic of war. We know that the police enact war on poor communities. We know that the prisons enact war and forced sterilizations on poor communities so the way we deal with our social issues projected into the media isn't in an empowering way that actually looks at autonomous community solutions it's in a way that always plays upon fear and plays upon dependency on the government and dependency on fear and kind of like presents these things as inevitable and cyclical and like never able to stop and then because we're watching it in a really removed way and from a screen we can't really knock on the screen and be like, hey, that's messed up. So we have to accept it because we're watching it on a screen. And so that has to do something with how we are confronted with those similar dynamics in real life and then forcing us to just accept it in real life, which we don't have to do.
2: Yeah, the 90s kid, I think about how much black representation on television and in movies there was. And then you think of it now and it's so little, and I feel like people are desperate for representation, so they accept anything that's given. And the difference between what was happening in the 90s and now was that you had black writers writing their own shows. So we look at what recently happened with SNL, and they've been getting a lot of slack for not having any black female people on their show. But they had a black female and it was really, really racist, the things they were having her say. And the reason why is because they don't have black female writers. So when you think of shows like Orange is the New Black, yes, the cast is diverse, yes, there's a transgendered character, but when you look at how the characters are depicted on the show and you look how they're playing roles of specific stereotypes, and with the same writer who did Orange is the New Black also did Weeds, and if you see Weeds, Weeds is also very problematic and racist and has all those certain stereotypes. So I feel that when we talk about representation, we have to be very critical about how we are being represented, who is doing the writing, because I feel like you can see you know, black person on the screen, but who is writing what they're saying? And to me, that is very important. Who is doing the writing? Who is doing the producing of these projects?
4: Um. Yeah, it just sounds like liberalism it just sounds like people who have a limited understanding of oppressive power dynamics and systems of oppression being the cause and root causes of oppression which is upsetting i think to respond to what bobby you were talking about who's writing these things who's uh who are the producers who are the key stakeholders who are the people profiting and financing these films or these features or these shows and it's Yeah, it's usually the same people. It's usually cisgendered white males who have the privilege to to finance and produce and write. So they are actually profiting off of this misrepresentation as well as the struggles of anybody that is marginalized under all of the systems of oppression that exist. And I would say that it's kind of mm, always double-edged sword because, yeah, we all know that Trans women and transgendered people are getting a lot of exposure by way of the media, which is great. But at the same time, it's you said the the person that is in that Orange Is the New Black show, it's mainly oriented around this white woman. She's the center, and the side characters are the people of colors, trans women, and they're all like portrayed as as actual criminals. And it doesn't do anything to really delegitimize this criminality. And then I think of the nature of cooptation and how capitalism often recuperates these struggles and who keeps on profiting off of portraying our struggles like the Macklemore's like the Tim Wise's like this actor the guy who played Spider-Man in the recent movie he was in this music video where he portrays this trans person for Arctic what are they called arcade fire arcade Fire, and and you know, it's like, wow, like congratulations, like you portrayed a trans woman and now you're gonna get all of the all of this all of this attention and you're gonna get this, you know, this kind probably gonna get an Social award capital. for that performance and it's like you're an ally now and like all the people all these cis people, all these cisgendered people, they're all allies to the struggle and like, oh, look at them, they're trying to highlight but it's like it's appropriation. It's appropriation, um, because they very rarely actually help the communities, quote unquote, communities of uh, that have to go through these struggles. Um, they're they're not really doing a lot to finance or bring resources to them. Um, they're just kind of, yeah, socially capitalizing off of lived experiences that people go through. And the same thing with, you know, with with Tim Wise, Tim Wise is getting, Nine thousand dollars every single time he speaks at a school about white privilege, it, like he didn't create the, that particular, you know, theory of what white privilege is. It was black people that that created that, and the same thing, you know, with um, other other types of um, <clears throat> appropriation that happens within within the media.
0: <clears throat> Jerry, um, just a side question. I still want to say something, but. You can see how capitalism really affects different industries in different ways. In the media industry, you see that you're competing with other people for screen time, actually. And that's also how representation divides people. And when we talk about representation, like, yes, we want to see more diverse lived experiences shaped by people who actually live those experiences represented in screen time, but more than just screen time, like, in the industry, there needs to be more diverse representation going up the hierarchy. Like, we want to abolish hierarchy because ultimately, the workers, the actors, the directors, the producers, they're all working, they should all be working cooperatively to produce a creative project together. But unfortunately, the workers do the most work, the actors do the most work, they're the ones under stress and the directors sit (laughs) and kind of just shape the creative output yes i want to like horizontalize how we create work but since we do live under a hierarchical system we can't keep having like white cis male owners shaping the industry so there should be more representation in terms of writers producers directors not just in terms of like actors and screen time in shaping what comes out I'm glad you brought up Orange is the New Black because I only watched a couple shows of the first season because there was this big, all this stuff being written about it. Um, And so I was a little curious. It's problematic. Representation of prison in general is pretty problematic, representation of jail and cops. Is not really um, accurate a lot of the times. If you look at presentations of jail and you like walk in and you like are handcuffed to the chair and you're like sitting there with all these other people, that's not jail. Absolutely not jail. Everyone's really excited because the second season dropped. And I was just thinking the trailer photo is like a Piper in the middle, this white Mm -hmm. woman in the middle, and these two black women. It's like a minstrel situation where they're like a backdrop right next to her and she's forward and in the forefront. And I was just thinking, why okay cool you have a second season why does it still have to be about piper uh. there's nothing that says except for in the industry of what is acceptable movies and film there's nothing that says that your main character has to say the main character if the public and the people want to see more laverne cox or want to see more other characters that are non-white there's nothing that says you can't shift the focus of a tv show except for learned hierarchies and a learned process of, no, that's just not what we do in the industry. If it starts off as a show about a white woman, it has to stay a show about a white woman. And I and I just realized yesterday, it doesn't have to. And so I think that's an interesting thing about the Hollywood industrial complex, is there's a set way that films are produced, there's a set way that roles are produced. So,
4: I had a direct response to J Ray's question regarding you know why they use the white woman female body person in the front i think it's profit driven because the demographic for The rest of America, the country that America is, you know, you have the Midwest, most large scale cities are, they're predominantly people of color, but a lot of other places around the U.S. are predominantly white because of genocide and because when settler colonialism happened, it was very, very far reaching and widespread. So I feel like this is the reason why Within shows that Anton and I myself have participated in where they have certain quotas that they fill up for people of color because the particular area that they're trying to portray is trying to be as realistic as possible. So though it's being filmed in LA, they are trying to portray Nowheresville, Alabama. And in Nowheresville, Alabama, there's only four or five people of color. And if the demographic is trying to be targeted for the people that live in these areas, these kind of rural areas, they don't want to shake the the actual reality of where they're living at. They probably could maybe make more profit off of these shows by diversifying. But when I think about the 90s, we're always referencing the 90s, there were a lot of nondescript racially ambiguous artists that came out. I was watching some things the other day. You had Paula Abdul and you had Mariah Carey. You had all of these racially ambiguous people just hanging out and doing music. That's great. But at the same time, if we want to be critical about representation and misrepresentation, though, it's good that they were in these positions making music. It's also the image. What is the image doing? Who is profiting off of the image? Yeah, Mariah Carey and Paula Abdul were profiting off of of this image, but so many other people were profiting off of this kind of exploitation, which is less empowering.
2: It makes me think of racially ambiguous people in the scene, and like white supremacy, and how white supremacy benefits from the Hollywood Industrial Complex, and how you have actors who are white passing, who will choose to play white characters or white roles. What does that do? What does that say? And it is a lack of roles for non-whites, so you have people who, if they can pass, they'll do it. But what are you saying to other people who are your race? And when you think of what black people are represented in television, it's light-skinned, non-black passing, 2B hair or European-style hair that is being depicted, which is far different than, as we keep going back to the 90s. And At least for me, why I keep going back to the 90s is because there was just such a strong shift. There was just a huge difference. You had Thursday night primetime TV, 8. O'clock Clock was a black family, and it was followed by another black family. This is on Channel 4. You mm-hmm. had the Cosby, and then you had a show called A Different World, which was about black kids going to a historically black university wearing black power shirts. Could you imagine seeing that on NBC right now? And then you kind of think of like what black television shows are now, and most of them are produced by Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Perry is like the one black producer, writer, who's able to get anything greenlit. And when you look at what he's doing, he's doing modern-day blackface. And I was working on set a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about Tyler Perry, and I was speaking about why I feel like he's very problematic and why I don't support him. And this one white girl's like, oh, but I love Medea. And I'm like, of course you love Mm -hmm. Medea. And when black artists create things, you have to think about who is laughing at your jokes, who's enjoying these things. And that's why I really appreciate Dave Chappelle, because Dave Chappelle walked away from doing his show because he realized the jokes that he was making, the white people were laughing a little too hard at it. And it's important as artists for us to be critical. And who are you making your art for? How are you representing yourself? I know no one necessarily might want to be put in a representation role, but you are on TV. This is how black people are being represented all around the world. And you need to be more critical about how you're participating and perpetuating both white supremacy and anti-blackness.
4: The media is extremely, it has a lot of institutional power. I feel like the media depicts ways in which to assimilate under all of these systems of oppression and that assimilation is an acquired thirst for privileges and then once you accomplish retrieving these social and material benefits, you show that, oh, life is so much better. But that comes at a price, you know. With those privileges comes people who are being oppressed. It's not without an actual effect behind it.
2: So to wrap things up, who benefits from the Hollywood Industrial Complex and how does it affect us? We grow up watching these television, these movies, listening to this music. How does it affect us, and how does it benefit the benefactors?
0: Whatever form of concentrated power exists, it's the dominant narrative perpetuated by media always wants to preserve concentrated power, whether that's the state, whether that's um, groups of white men that come together in the industry to like see certain visions come to fruition, whether it's groups of predominantly white men in city council that are helping to redevelop areas that, you know, profit indirectly from the perceptions in the backdrop of LA that's used in these films. I've had a lot of internal crises come from realizing how much I've learned from representations of human relationships or representations of what community looks like or representations of race, class, gender, ability that are presented on the screen. I've had to really take a step back and realize how much of that I've consumed i don't really know how much that's affected me and so even with stuff like the porn industry you could probably also call it the hollywood industrial complex all right so uh porn i forgot to mention porn (laughs) but i feel like that has done a lot to kind of control and reproduce structures of violence and of how women are treated in the porn industry and how we learn sex from porn. A lot of people, like I did a porn study once, and we watch film and other media way before we start watching porn, but a lot of people start watching porn when they're like 11. It could be probably the first representation of sex or sexual contact or sexual intercourse that people see is learned from porn. And so the survey that we did, a lot of people marked, yes, I try to act out the porn I watch. And then they go home and they replicate that. We lose our desires kind of in how we look at and how things are represented to us. Also, doing that study kind of just showed me not just a reflection on porn, but how much we're learning from watching things visually um, and how much we replicate that as truth without really figuring it out ourselves.
4: Um, Who I think benefits from the Hollywood industrial complex? Definitely the state, definitely the police, definitely every single institution that exists because... Every single institution that does exist, whether it's marriage or the police or the military, is definitely displayed as normal within within these media representations of these things. And what is normalized, there's such a strong belief and a strong like culture habitual acts around uh, these things that what is not very represented within the media is seen as deviant or undesirable or not normal or queer. I see it in the same way I see privileges. It's like everybody has privileges and people who are at the top of the social hierarchy are probably the people who are getting the most social and material benefits from this industry. But just want to go out saying that when it comes to the media industrial complex, Hollywood industrial complex, prison industrial complex, the thing that all of these things have in common are industry. It's all an industrial complex because industry is is the social problem. Within how we relate to one another, within how the planet is being destroyed by particular industries, I think we really have to look at how these industries were supposed to be created to comfort the human race when in actuality, It often enslaves the human race, also at the expense of every other living thing and organism on the planet. So my belief is that industry has got to fall, or it's going to fall on its own. And I would prefer people try to dismantle it before the water runs out. I
2: also think that white culture and white supremacy really, really benefit from Hollywood industrial complex and perpetuating whiteness all around the world. Even in international films of different countries, who are the actors or who is the face that's represented the lightest of any given. You look at like Bollywood or anything on Telemundo, it's white, blonde, assimilated, perpetuating that certain Aryan standard of beauty. Yeah, so we'll be on next week, same time, Sunday at one30 you can listen to all our past shows on our SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com on-resistance. Check out our Tumblr at onresistanceradio.tumblr.com. And thanks for listening, and hope to have you back next week.
3: So let me ask you this. What is happening in Hollywood that a guy that tough will be on the street waving a gun, screaming, they are trying to kill me? Yeah. What's going on? Why is Dave Chappelle going to Africa? Why does Mariah Carey make a $100 million deal and take clothes off on TRL? A weak person cannot get to sit here and talk to you. Ain't no weak people talking to you. So what is happening in Hollywood? Nobody knows. The worst thing to call somebody is crazy, is dismissive. I don't understand this person. So they're crazy. That's bullshit. These people are not crazy. They're strong people. Maybe the environment is a little sick burn Hollywood burn I smell a riot going on first they're guilty now they're gone yeah I'll check out a movie but it'll take a black one to move me get me the hell away from this TV all the news and views are beneath me so all I hear about is shots ringing out I'm about gangs putting each other's head out so I'd rather kick some slang out all right fellas let's go hang out Yeah, so step and fetch this shit. For all the years we've looked like clowns the joke is over. Smell the smoke from all around.